started, I think we should have probably just kept worshiping. Um, I am so humbled and blessed to be able to be with you today. And I think I've even said to Jeff that you are our family. And I am just honored to be a part of you. I'm honored to be a part of this community. And um, I had a chance to be with the moms at the breakfast this morning. I don't want to ruin this for them, but I want you to know that white baseball pants and socks in front of the hamper are on the line today. Um, We don't like either one of those. So if you want an idea for some brownie points, there you go. Um, Happy Mother's Day to all of you, and I'm just um, excited about what the Lord put on my heart to share with you today. I want to start with two scriptures. The first one is 2 Timothy 1.14, and it says, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And then the second scripture is Hebrews 11.23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. And what the Lord has put on my heart to talk to you about today is fear. And some of the specific examples that I'm going to use today directly relate to parents. There's a whole bunch of you kids and teenagers in the room today. And I believe that the Lord's going to talk to each one of you specifically about some fear and intimidation that maybe you have been dealing with. But what that scripture in Hebrew says to me is that the Lord has entrusted to us Our children, who, by the way, are not ordinary children. And he has called us to guard and protect the deposit that he has placed in our home. And we will not be afraid. So today, I want to ask us, what are we afraid of? Because really, the enemy only has a few tools in the toolbox. And maybe the strongest one, in my opinion, is fear. If we may, if he is able to make us afraid, then he renders us impudent and powerless. And our fear becomes our focus And forces us to shrink back, not only from the callings that the Lord has placed on us, but the callings that the Lord has placed on our families. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Or self-control. Fear is a spirit. And it is a false prophetic spirit. Because fear comes in and tries to paint a picture for you of what your future 
or the future of your family looks like. But the fact is, he doesn't know your future. He knows his because he can read about it in our book. But he does not know your future or the future of your family. And when we base our decisions as a family, for our family, for our children, for our marriages, when we base our decisions on fear, then we will be powerless and we will be impotent. So where is he catching us? What is it that we're afraid of? Particularly, let's talk to moms and parents. Number one, I think that we can be afraid of our own kids because we start to think, oh my gosh, how are they going to respond? Are they going to rebel? Are they going to hate my guts? Well, some things that the spirit of fear has convinced us of is that all teenagers rebel. That if you are so strict and you set guidelines for your home, you're going to push them right into the very thing that you don't want them to do. And your children, especially your teenagers, really don't want anything to do with you. But none of those things are the truth. Not all teenagers rebel. Now, do our kids sometimes make kid mistakes? You bet they do. But the kids that I see, the kids, your kids that I know, they are not rebellious. They make mistakes just like the next guy. But we don't have to be afraid that everybody's going to go off the rails. Number two, if I set standards in my home, I'm just going to push them into doing the things that I so hope that they avoid. If you are allowing things in your home, that you are uncomfortable with because you are afraid of how your children or your teenagers are going to respond, that is called blackmail. Parenting is not about really ever how our children are going to respond to the standards that we set. Because like we all know, our kids have their own free will just like we have ours. But parenting is an act of my worship. My parenting is directly related to my relationship with the Lord. And when a situation happens in my home, I go to the Lord, my husband Brian and I, and we ask him, what in the world do we do here? And we wait for an answer. And the answer is not dependent on the choice that my child is going to make. Because when I come with the answer, I'm telling you what I think the Lord has called our family to. If you want to get in the floor and throw a fit about it, that's up to you. And then I'm going to go back and talk to him about that. <laughs> but the response of our children to our standards and boundaries cannot govern the choices that we make. The last thing on this is that society tells you that when your kids become a teenager, they think you've lost all sense that you may have ever had, 
and they really don't want anything to do with you. And I have the privilege to work with teenagers all day, every day, and that is a lie. Your kids do want to have a relationship with you. Um, we worked on a book a few years ago. It's called Rescue, but we worked with some college students. And we spent 18 months with them, and I asked them questions about everything I could think of. And one of the things that most surprised me is I asked them the question, what could I tell your parents about you that would shock them most? And they said, I wish I got to spend more time with them. We do an activity with kids a lot of times where we're trying to show them that the older you get, the more voices there are that are trying to impact you. And we have kids sit down blindfolded with a blank piece of paper. One of their parents will take a drawing and go across the room from them. And then all at once, those parents will shout at their child how to recreate this picture that the parents are looking at. It is the most chaotic, loud, overwhelming experience I can describe to you. And it is symbolic of this culture. Their friends, their teachers, their music, the movies they watch, the places they go, everything is screaming at our kids and they are trying hard to hear you. The only way that your teenagers will be able to distinguish your voice from all of the others will be if you are brave enough and strong enough to press in close to them when society would tell you that they want nothing more than for you to back away. That is a lie. They want to hear from you. The next thing is we're afraid of what other people will think. The spirit of fear has us convinced that our friends will think, oh, you're those parents. Or our children will not have any friends at all if we don't allow them to have an Instagram account and a cell phone in the third grade. First John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So the truth regarding those two lies that would create fear from the enemy are, first of all, who cares what your friends think about what you're doing in your home? We talk to our kids all the time about, God, if your friend, if your friend ran off a cliff, would you? But they spend all week watching us just jump headlong over the edge because our neighbor next door or the woman down the street thinks that I'm too strict of a mom. Do not be afraid to think for yourself. Let your no be no and your yes be yes. And your children will be better off if your decisions are based on the word of God than your neighbor's opinion across the street. 
finally, we are afraid that we are messing this thing up. That maybe he really did not know what he was doing when he gave me these children. The spirit of fear whispers things like, wow, what if your kids found out about all of those things that you've done in your past? How can you hold your children to a standard that you were not able to keep? You aren't even smart enough to do seventh grade math. And you are the best that these kids have at learning about life. You don't trust yourself. Why should they trust you? This is like the blind leading the blind. You can't see the direction your family should be going any better than your three-year-old. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his Son purifies us from all sin. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So this is not the blind leading the blind. This is the used to be blind, but now fully sighted. Children of Almighty God, who have been washed and purified from our mistakes and sinful behavior, forgiven and set on a path to guard what he has entrusted us and protect it with everything that we have. We will not be afraid. I really wanted to do sweet comments from three-year-olds about how they see their moms and talk about, you know, how precious it is when you learn how to make your first baby blanket and put your nurseries together. But the world that I live in says to me that we are in the battle of our lives for our family. The Lord did not accidentally put your children in your home, but divinely and on purpose, he has entrusted them to you. I want to tell you that when I look out across this room and see you moms, I do not see silent, prude Mary Poppins. We do not live in a day and age where that will cut it anymore. And so I would like for, if you don't mind, just a few moms would stand up. I have a few things that I believe that the Lord would like for me to declare over you. And I'm not talking about just moms physically. Some of you do not have children in the natural. But you have been called to be spiritual mothers to many people. And if that is you, I want you to stand up too. And I'd like for you to just bow your heads and close your eyes and listen. 
I believe that this is from the Lord for you today. You are the guardian of dreams. So until their hearts are strong enough to chase their own dreams, you will be strong enough for the both of you. You are carriers of hope. Romans 8 says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for what we do not yet have. We wait for it patiently. You are mentors and examples. Your children watch you. They see when difficult issues and circumstances arise, and they watch you keep your eyes on Christ. They notice when you keep your word, when it would be easier to forget it. They see you working hard to steer your family in the right direction, and they will follow you. You are the source of pieces of their strength. When your child faces adversity, they need to be able to find you. They need to be able to lock eyes with you. Just like Mary followed her son all the way to the cross. And when he looked down from fulfilling his calling, he saw his mom. You lock eyes with those kids because when you do, it gives them strength. You give life. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. When your kids fall and they get bruises and skinned knees, you are the voice saying, let me help you up. Let me dust you off. Now try again. You are their protector. You will stand guard and you will come against every attack of the enemy that comes against them. You will continue to fight battles through prayer. And you are a mirror. You see things in your children that are too extraordinary for them to comprehend. You act as a mirror that reflects back to them the greatness that you see. And you keep holding that mirror in front of them until they can see it themselves. These descriptions are not powerless, fearful women descriptions. You know that Scripture that Pastor Jeff prayed over our baby this morning was, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That does not mean that you were created full of fear and wondering, but fierce wonder. You are called to stand guard and protect the deposit that the Lord has placed in you. These descriptions are of strong Competent, secure, powerful, bold, warriors for the kingdom. And that, my sisters, is you. I feel like that just in closing, I would like to pray for if you feel like that you have dealt with fear in any way. If you're a teenager... My question to you is, why are you afraid to be who God has called you to be? If you are a parent, have you parented? Have you faced fear in your marriage? If there is any issue of fear that you have dealt with, would you just stand up right now with these moms? I want to say a prayer over you.
Lord, I thank you that your word says that you have not given us fear. But you have made us powerful, strong, self-disciplined. You have given us self-control. And Lord, I come against every lying statement of the enemy that would cause any one of us to shrink back in the name of Jesus. God, I believe that in Jesus' name, we will not walk in fear, but we will walk in boldness, and we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you have given us weapons to fight the battles that you've called us to. And then if you would please just stand up with your moms together as a family. God, I thank you that we are armed for battle. You have given us the sword of the Spirit, your word and your favor. Protect us, Lord, like a shield. We are not afraid. We will stand where you've called us to stand, and we will be fierce in our protection of our children. We will be fierce in our love for you first and our spouses. God, we are not silent and we are not weak because your Holy Spirit lives in us and your word is alive and active in us. God, help us to stay submitted to the authorities that you've placed over us. But Lord, in Jesus' name, we will stand our post. We will fight the battles that have come our way and we will take ground for your kingdom. The enemy will not have the families in this community. He will not have our marriages. He will not have our children. The battle is yours and we need only to stand. But for Pete's sake, God, we will stop denying that there is a battle and we will wield our sword. Make a strong, alert, fully awake, and dangerous to the enemy. You are the victor, Lord, and we are honored to come alongside of you, and we are humbled that you would allow us. Make us different, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Candy. Mm. It's a great word.